0: To everyone around the world, and we're welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought to you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full interview and every interview we have ever done, just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. You'll get your login immediately. And don't forget to visit SanitasRadio.com as well. Great shows there. It's your life. Take control. Tonight we discuss the fascinating story of one man's journey into the realm of the fantastic. The CIA-sponsored psychic spies with the ability to extend their consciousness to accurately describe targets not only half a world away, but to look into the future as well. It all sounded like science fiction to John Herlosky after reading an expose by former member of the CIA's Project Stargate, Dr. David Morehouse. Two years later, skeptical but intrigued by the possibilities implied, John entered the classroom of Dr. Morehouse to find out the truth and never looked back. He wrote a book titled Sorcerer's Apprentice an autobiographical account of his experience learning the CIA-sponsored scientifically validated form of extrasensory. He went from interested skeptic to operational remote viewer, working his first mission as well as his former life as a police officer and private military contractor. And to tell us more, John Herlosky is coming up next, right now on Veritas. John Herlovsky has worked for two large metropolitan police departments as a police officer and academy instructor. Has been training SWAT tactics and is a designated marksman. He is considered an expert in the field of human performance technologies and has spent half his life in the martial arts. He was the co-director and co-founder of the nonprofit think tank, the Institute for Evolutionary Technologies, as well as the co-director of Project Trojan Warrior Two mind-body integration training program. And directly from Monrovia, California, I would like to welcome our special guest, John Herlovsky. By the way, his website is a asorcerersapprentice.com, which is also linked at ours. Welcome to Veritas. John, how are you?
1: I'm fine. Thank you for inviting me, Mel.
0: It's my pleasure. The title of your book just uh, really caught me. Very interesting title, A Sorcerer's Apprentice a skeptic's journey into the CIA's Project Stargate. Before we begin, it, it's a very interesting journey that you have here because it's similar to mine. I'm an open-minded skeptic. You need to prove to me something before you tell me. I don't take things at, at face value. Why don't we begin with your background? Tell us a little bit more about yourself and what brought you to this world of remote viewing.
1: Well, you know, I, I come from a different Uh, arena, if you will, than most people who get involved in remote viewing. Um, Unlike many people, I've never had, prior to the experiences in the book, um, a psychic experience. Um, I've never seen a ghost, seen a UFO or anything like that. As a matter of fact, as far as I know, Elvis is still dead. (laughs) Uh, my background is, um, you know, my, my major at uh, Marquette University was mathematics, with minors in engineering and philosophy. And I also hold a degree in administration of justice. I've worked for two large metropolitan police departments um, as a police officer and as an academy instructor. Um, I have also worked as an EMT. Uh, working for a private military corporation. So my background is quite a bit different than most people in, who get involved in this area, um, except for, of course, the the military remote viewers themselves. So it was kind of a fluke, actually, that I got involved in this. Um, I uh, was the uh, co-director for the... Uh, Institute of uh, Evolutionary Technologies back in the early 90s, and we were working on various uh, awareness disciplines, uh, mind-body integration techniques. And so that kind of primed me for the possibility of, of uh, if you will, accepting psychic phenomena. But at that time, as far as I was concerned, psychic phenomena was pretty much uh, a very unique um, ability that was confined to perhaps just a few special individuals. I didn't feel that it had any real relevance in our in our world. And it wasn't until 1997 when I happened upon a book by the name of Psychic Warrior by David Morehouse that my mind started to change regarding that. And when i When I saw his book in the bookstore, um, I originally thought it was fiction. I didn't realize that it was it was an autobiographical account. And it wasn't until I read the Inside Flap that I realized that this was not a, a science fiction book, but this was actual reality. that uh, the us military had taken a Special Operations Ranger Company commander and had not only brought him into a program where they, they used psychic abilities as an intelligence-gathering asset, but they trained him how to be psychic because he had never had, like myself, uh, a psychic experience before. He, he didn't consider himself psychic. And I found that fascinating. And not so much the idea that the intelligence services would use uh, psychic abilities, but even more so was the idea that they would take a special operations soldier with no previous psychic ability uh, uh, and, and train him. You know, it was something that was completely beyond my comprehension at the time. How can you train someone to be psychic? So I bought the book and I brought it home. And I read it cover to cover in a single sitting, and I decided that I needed to find out a little bit more about this. So over the next two years, I continued researching it, and I tried to get a hold of David Morehouse. However, he was overseas at the time, and it wasn't until the spring of 1999 I was able to contact him. And... It was then that uh, I signed up for uh, a beginning and intermediate course in uh, coordinate remote viewing that I first met him. And that's basically how I got involved in it. You know, from somebody who really didn't have any psychic experience and who thought it was pretty much um, not a real phenomenon. You
0: said something interesting. How can you train someone who's not psychic? So the question is... Why is someone chosen, and what variables does he or she display to compel someone to choose them? And does this prove that we may have, all of us, have those abilities perhaps latent, dormant, ready to be manifested in a way?
1: Well, actually, that, that's exactly correct. <clears throat> the research that uh, the Stanford Research Institute did Uh, they were the ones who were originally involved in the military program, uh, found that uh, the ability to use remote viewing is actually a a latent ability in everyone, that everybody has the ability to do it, and you only need to to learn how to do that in order to express that ability. Uh, They actually didn't once they were in the program, they didn't choose people who were actively psychic. Um, they did have people who had had previous experiences um, with being with psychic abilities, um, Mel Riley and Lynn Buchanan, for instance. But they chose people like um, Joe McMoneagle and Dave Morehouse because they had unusual experiences, out-of-the-body experiences, uh, that sort of thing. And they found that, in actuality, the best persons who are usually good candidates to become remote viewers are simply people who are intelligent, educated, who have a a desire to learn new things, uh, who are a little skeptical, but have an open mind and tend to be a little bit artistic. And um, that was the type of person that they found made the best type of remote viewer. But the ability itself is actually latent in all of this.
0: We have had others, as I told you before we began the show, we have others who within the realm of remote viewing on this program, like Dr. Courtney Brown, Dr. Angela Thompson-Smith, Dr. Elizabeth Rauscher, uh, Major Ed Dames, and so on. So I would say our audience has graduated from Remote Viewing 101, if you will. So we're not going to delve into what is remote viewing. However, there are other subcategories of remote viewing, and I was very happy to, to, to see that you really defined them and, and go into more detail than I've seen in a lot, a lot of other books. What are and what is the difference between associative remote viewing and coordinate Remote viewing?
1: Well, you have methodologies, and the two main methodologies that are out there are, of course, coordinate remote viewing CRV, uh, which most everybody is familiar with, and there's also uh, what is called ERV or extended remote viewing. Um, ARV, associative remote viewing, is actually a type of methodology that is used not as a direct remote viewing um, methodology, but actually as a way to to resolve a, a question that would not be easily ascertained by the regular forms of remote viewing. And basically what it is, is you resolve your question down to a binary choice of one alternative or another, and then you use your remote viewing skills to view the feedback for an event distant in time. So uh, as an example, you would, let's say you were working on silver futures and you wanted to find out whether or not a particular silver future would uh, either rise in the near future or stay the same or fall. Okay, so let's say you wanted to put money on the outcome of of that. Well, regular remote viewing is not really adapted to do that type of investigation, because what would you look for, for instance? So rather than do that, the creators of ARV decided, well, why don't we assign pictures to the, the two different outcomes. We'll assign one picture to an outcome of the silver futures go up, and we'll assign a second picture to the silver futures falling or remaining the same. And what we will do is, at uh, after the event, or where we want to put our money down and when the, the future comes due, based on what actually it actually does, they will show one of those two pictures based on the outcome. So what the remote viewer does is ahead of time, before the outcome is known, he does a remote viewing to see what picture he is going to be shown in the future. And how they do that is they give him coordinates, he does a remote viewing on those coordinates and writes down his impressions. Then the computer will show him two different pictures that are going to be used. And they don't tell him which picture is which and what they're assigned to. It simply shows him the two pictures. And based on what he has seen, he chooses either one picture or the other as the picture that he is going to be shown in the future when they find out what that particular picture silver future is going to be doing now
0: when we think of remote viewing for some reason there's this not stigma but association with military practices perhaps as a reaction to the Soviets in the 1950s 60s 70s you know obviously you mentioned in your book uh, the fact that the Soviets were using microwave technologies to hit American embassy personnel and I've spoken to some, some government people who, who confirmed this, that people were actually developing cancer at the time, but we don't, we're not going to get into this. But we think of it, the reaction, does remote viewing rose to to perhaps counteract that? But there are other applications, and I'd like you to delve into that as well. What relevance do you see with remote viewing today in this high-tech world that we live in?
1: Well, you know, there is there really is... Um, no limit to what this technology can do. I mean, let's say you were involved in, in, in uh, 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 trying to find the, the, uh, the particular, a particular virus for an unknown disease. I mean, you would actually target that as a remote viewing exercise. Um, and, and remote viewers have actually imaged viruses. So that, you know, this could give you an idea of what to look for once you have gotten samples and have used an electron microscope, this will give you an idea of what you would be looking for. You can use it, um, let's say, for astronomical purposes. For instance, um, back when we had launched the Pioneer probe into Jupiter space uh, to find out what... Was, what. Uh, what the planet Jupiter was like. And this was before we had ever sent anything else out there, any other space probes out there. So we weren't really familiar with with the planet Jupiter except for Earth-bound observations. So uh, Ingo Swan, six months prior to the probe entering Jupiter space, uh, was given Jupiter as a target. And he reported that there were rings jupiter now this information was disseminated among a number of very uh, well-known scientists and it was blown off as being you know a joke because they all felt no there aren't any rings around jupiter that's ridiculous uh, we haven't seen them on our earthbound observations and there's no reason to believe um, that there should be any rings well of course six months later When the Pioneer Probe enters Jupiter space, lo and behold, they find that, yes, Jupiter does have rings. They're nothing as extravagant as as Saturn's, but they are there. And Ego Swann saw it first. I'll give you another example of that, in that um, my second target in Dave's ERV class that I took uh, was the Mars Sojourner rover on Mars. And while I describe that and Mars, I also describe, and that this is actually in the book and my sketches and notes are actually in there as well, um, a dust devil or tornado uh, on the flat plane that I was on. And the interesting thing was was that I noticed that there were like some sort of energy coursing up through um, the vortex. And it had this sparkling quality to it, like it was electrical in nature. And so I wrote it down, like you are supposed to as a remote viewer, but I didn't think anything of it at the time. And of course, after I had seen my feedback and realized that I was standing on Mars, um, it was, this was back in 2001, so I believe that they thought that there would be uh, dust devils on Mars although they hadn't imaged them yet and I- thank you for listening to
2: unlock the full two-hour interview including video formats downloads transcripts exclusive articles and more subscribe to Veritas Plus now gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008 just click subscribe at VeritasRadio.com